Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find me at karenhager.com and follow me on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. That Instagram bit is especially handy if you're curious about how Maisie the puppy is growing or wondering what's on my puzzle board at the moment. You'll find that plus other out of the fog podcast content and other delights. Pictures of yarn sometimes show up in that Instagram feed. So all of that's on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. Please do rate and review the show wherever you're listening. So take a look around. How messy is the space you're in right now? And how does that make you feel? For me, there's a there's a certain kind of clutter that I find reassuring, um, bookshelves that overflow, for example. And then there's clutter that feels jarring and uncomfortable to me, like dishes that are stacked up in the sink without being rinsed or piles of dirty clothes, or maybe that massive shifting, looming, lurking mountain of undealt with paperwork that's in the corner of my living room. That stuff makes me uncomfortable. Well, Carrie Richardson is my guest today, and she knows that you can use your clutter woes to transform your life. When you get curious about the reasons you struggle to clear clutter, she says, you can discover secrets to success that have been under your nose the whole time. I knew there was something under that pile of laundry. Are you ready to meet her? Carrie Richardson is a mindset coach and the best-selling author of What Your Clutter Is Trying to Tell You and her latest book, From Clutter to Clarity. Through online courses, private coaching, and her international membership community, Clutter Clear Your Life, Carrie's helped thousands of people learn to use their blocks as stepping stones to live their best lives. You can find out more about at carryrichardson.com, and that's Carrie with an I, K-E-R-R-I, richardson.com. Carrie, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation. Do you still want to talk to me, even though now you know about the big mountain of shifting paperwork thing in my living room? It did turn me off a little bit, but I'm excited to dig in. <laughs> oh, you're a professional. So you're just going to kind of mask your distaste. Okay, good. So we're, we're okay. Um, when you talk about clutter, what do you mean? It's more than my paperwork, right? Oh, yes. So I define clutter as anything that gets in the way of you living your best life. And that can be thoughts things or people. Uh, so certainly that mound of paperwork that gets shifted around is, is clutter. If it's difficult to manage, sort, or organize, then there's more to it. There's some messages underneath that pile. Um, and that's the juicy stuff I like to dig into. That's where you can use your clutter as a powerful catalyst for change. So in the, in the new book, in From Clutter to Clarity, you talk about three different types of clutter. And maybe, do you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. So I've kind of classified them into three, three types. So there's simple, stubborn, and core. Uh, so by that, I mean simple clutter is just as it sounds. Simple clutter are thoughts, things, or people that we know um, aren't serving us in, in the best way and that we know that we're done with and that we can easily get rid of. And so, you know, gosh, I know I never wear these three shirts, so I'm going to put them in the donation pile. No resistance, no real struggle to do so. You're able to just add them to the donation bin without a problem. 
that's just simple clutter. It's just something you're ready to get rid of. Um, I don't hear a lot about that kind of clutter because otherwise people wouldn't be coming to me. People come to me because of the stubborn clutter, which is everything else. Hmm. Stubborn clutter is those things like that stuff that you know or you feel pretty confident that you're done with, but you just can't seem to do the work to clear it. Either, you know, maybe the size of the job overwhelms you. Maybe the items have sentimental value. Um, there, there can be all sorts of reasons. Stubborn clutter is where all of the magic happens. That's where we can really unearth what's going on underneath, or as I call the message in the mess. And that brings us to, to the third category, which is core clutter. Core clutter is what is causing the stubborn clutter. And core clutter comes in three forms in and of itself. So under the core, under the core clutter category, say that 10 times fast, <laughs> you have limiting beliefs, unrealistic expectations, and the need for boundaries. No matter the type of clutter you struggle to clear, I can almost guarantee you one of those three causes are at play or a combination of the two. So that's where I help people really kind of peel back the layers and unpack um, what's going on underneath their struggle to clear clutter of any kind. One of the things I know just from my own experience is the, the clutter that needs attention, not just because it needs to be cleaned up, but because it means something sometimes it's hard for us to, to look at it almost like we look at it and then our eyes dart off it and our attention goes to something else. Don't look over there. Don't, it's the big mountain of paperwork. <laughs> Don't look. Yep. How can we start to focus on the stuff we don't want to see so that we can get to some of this message and treasure that you're talking about? How can we get our, how can we, how can we feel like it's okay for our focus to stay on that thing we've been avoiding? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a, a couple approaches that I take with people. So first and foremost, the best way to uncover the message in the mess is to get your hands in the mess. And I know that there's a lot of resistance that can come with that. It's like, I don't even know where to begin on this stack of paperwork, we'll say. So I'm just going to, you know, turn my eyes away, as you mentioned. So Right there is likely an unrealistic expectation because you're looking at the job as a whole and imagining how am I ever going to get that done? So anytime we're feeling overwhelmed, and this goes for any part of your life, right? If you're feeling overwhelmed by anything, you're very likely looking at the whole instead of the parts. So the whole trick here is about getting good at getting started. Don't worry about finishing. Don't worry about the finish line. We just want you to focus on how can I create a good habit of getting started? And so you want to do that a couple different ways. For instance, let's say you had a room, you know, maybe your spare room has become like a storage catch-all. I might have you go in there and just spend one palm round, which is a Pomodoro technique. It's, well, I'll talk about that in a moment. I spend 25 minutes in that room, just on a treasure hunt, looking for things you know you're ready to part with, that you don't feel any resistance towards, anything like that. You're just going to go in there and go for a treasure hunt 
of stuff to get rid of. So that's one approach. Um, the, the Pomodoro technique is just a, a wonderful time management tool. I didn't invent it. I just love it. Um, and that is breaking things down into 25 minute chunks. So if you're going to say, start going through that paperwork, set that timer for 25 minutes, sit down at the paperwork and be realistic. You know, you just sort it into two piles, keep and recycle as you're doing this. So here's where the message in the mess starts to make itself known. As you consider, let's say that you say, you know what, at four o'clock today, I'm going to do one round on that paperwork. And so pay attention to how you're feeling and what you're thinking as that time approaches. So this is where we want you getting really curious about your resistance instead of critical. So gosh, it's, you know, God, it's almost four o'clock. That's what, this is when I said I was going to do that paperwork and there's got to be something else that needs my attention. Oh, you know, suddenly I, you know, the dishes look really exciting or I wanted laundry instead. Right. Um, so pay attention to the lead up, pay attention to when you're, when you sit down at the task, the resistance that comes up, oftentimes resistance is the first clutter we need to clear. So you might sit down for your round at paperwork, but spend 15 minutes of it, maybe journaling about how much you don't want to do it. And that's okay. Right. That is getting started. But as you do all this, as you journal about how much you don't want to do it, as you pay attention to how you talk yourself out of doing it at all, you're going to be inviting those core causes of clutter to come to the surface, those limiting beliefs, unrealistic expectations, and the need for boundaries. So the takeaway there is focus on getting good at getting started, even if that starting means journaling about how much you don't want to start. And it's, I'm hearing you say that it's safe to touch, whether it's a thing or an emotion or an idea or a, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that it's safe to, to touch that without feeling like you now have to clear it all away, fix it all, solve it all, or yes. even experience any horrible guilt or shame or any other thing. You yeah, can just is, touch it. Yes. That's so, so important because here's the thing you know, there's our future self, our future self fantasizes about that being done, whatever that project is, that clutter clearing task project, whatever future self can really see the value in getting that done and how amazing it's going to be. This is when we say things like, I'm going to start my diet on Monday or tomorrow I'm going to wake up and start exercising. We feel really excited in anticipation. Sometimes we can feel really motivated, but then the time comes to do it and we distract ourselves. So future you is really excited at the prospect of accomplishing the task. Present you is the one who has to actually do the work. Present you likes immediate gratification. So if you say to yourself, starting tomorrow, I'm going to work out every day. Future you is like, cool, that sounds great. You're going to feel awesome. Present you is going to hear it more like a prison sentence. Oh, so once we start, we can't stop. Forget it, then I'm not going to start. So that's why those small chunks of time are really important because that part of you who is resisting it learns to trust you more because you can say, hey, you know what? Let's just do one round on this paperwork. And when the timer goes off, if we don't feel like doing any more, we don't have to. That alone actually gets that part of you 
on board. She can, she, he or she can now see the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, you're only expecting me to do this for 15, 20, 25 minutes, and then we can stop, really? Yes, we can stop. And we don't have to do another round if we don't want to. What that does is it, it takes the sting away from the anticipation of how dreadful this is going to be, only to find out, wow, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I got a lot more done than I expected to in such a short amount of time. And I feel pretty amazing as a result. One of the things I'm hearing as you say that, two things. One is how compassionate you are when mm. you talk about all of this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we, um, we, and so when I say we, I always mean me too. We carry so much negative self-talk about the ways in which we are in quotes wrong or not doing it right, or our house isn't clean enough, or we weigh too much, or we have the wrong feelings or our relationship is toxic. We carry so much negativity, uh, like harsh words against ourselves. I'm hearing a lot of compassion in what you're sharing. And the Mm -hmm. second part of that is that when I listen to you, I'm hearing how you're switching the power back to me. Because the way I was looking at it, the power was in that now three-story mound of paperwork in my Mm -hmm. living room. That had all the power. You just gave me my power back. Absolutely. Yeah, this is... This is the most successful approach I have found. It is a no shame game, but we tend to go to the shame place pretty quickly. Um, Longstanding change never comes from a self-punitive place. It just doesn't. Uh, But coming from a loving place, compassionate, curiosity, inquisitiveness, that's the stuff. So instead of like, oh my gosh, I told myself I was going to work on that paperwork today and I didn't. What the heck is wrong with me? I want you to get curious. Oh, isn't that interesting? I said I was going to do that today and I didn't. I wonder what happened. Like get inquisitive about why that is. That part of you who is, your resistance is rooted in fear. And so that that fear is not going to respond well to any kind of whip cracking or, you know, come on, you can do this, suck it up. Um, it's, that is not the way that it, it is motivated. It's motivated through compassion. Now, I understand that some might say, you know, gosh, if I, if I treat myself with kid gloves, like that's not going to get me anywhere. Like, why would I, why would I celebrate my body if I want to lose weight clutter? Because what's the motivation to change? Well, the nicer you treat yourself mentally and in your language, the nicer you're going to treat your environment, your body, your boundaries, all of those things. So yeah, coming from a place of compassionate curiosity is how you can uncover what those core causes really are. This is when you get to use your clutter as just a tool to heal aspects of your life you've likely struggled with for a long time. Who who would think that clearing off our kitchen counter in this very conscious way could deepen our relationships with our spouse. Um, but it really does. The How we do anything is how we do everything, right? So if your environment, you know, I often call clutter a temper tantrum of the soul. If your environment has erupted, your soul is trying to get your attention. And it's like, hey, listen, there's something more going on here. Using compassionate curiosity is the way to uncover what the true um, clutter is. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Carrie Richardson. Her newest book is From Clutter to Clarity, Clean Up Your Mindset to Clear Out Your Clutter. 
You can find out more about Carrie and her work at carryrichardson.com. That's K-E-R-R-I richardson.com. And you can find her international membership community, Clutter Clear Your Life at clutterclearyourlife.com. So Carrie, you work with people from all over the world and are mm-hmm. coaching them through this. What kinds of clarity can we discover at the back of our kitchen cabinet or under that pile of paperwork or as I start to treat my body with more respect? Mm-hmm. So what the, the kind of clarity that comes up as a result is, gosh, I didn't realize that my struggle with this is more about the meaning of assigned to the item or the task. Uh, what I expect of myself and my life on the other side of completing this, right? Because oftentimes the clarity I find, and it doesn't matter where you're from or what walk of life, it's this clarity is about if I want this clutter gone, but I'm struggling to clear it, then how is it benefiting me to keep it? Which like, what is the secondary gain that I'm getting from not going through that paperwork, from not clearing that counter, from not setting that boundary? There is a benefit, otherwise you would do it. And so these, that's the clarity that comes is, oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm not going through that stack of paperwork because I don't wanna look at the reality of my financial situation. Or I don't, you know, I feel like I'm a failure if I sign those divorce papers. Uh, so there's all the things that we tell ourselves about ourselves that are represented in that stuff. So you're not avoiding the paperwork because you're lazy or, you know, you just don't know how to handle it. There's likely some emotionally loaded things in that pile that there's deeper messages for you. So that's the whole idea behind, you know, what your clutter is trying to tell you. What is it that the clutter is communicating to you through the difficulty in clearing it. And and the clarity that comes is, oh gosh, I see that I'm just using my clutter as a scapegoat, you know, as a, as a kind of excuse. You know, I think of one client I worked with years ago, he had just a small stack of paperwork on his coffee table, but it had lived there for a while. And he was like, you know, it doesn't necessarily bother me from an aesthetic standpoint, but it bothers me that I just can't seem to take care of it. So then we get curious, like, well, well, tell me what's in the pile. And it's different kind of, you know, work orders or, you know, it's work-related paperwork that he needs to tend to or handle. And so we, we dig into like, okay, tell me about your job. Tell me about the work that you do. Tell me about what this represents. And most importantly, tell me about what comes next after you get this stack handled. Oh. And that's the thing when it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to have the meeting with the boss about the expenses with this job or whatever, right? So it's like, I am, I'm really nervous about that meeting. Great. So if the meeting can't happen until you get this done, it's no wonder you're not getting this done. So then the conversation shifts to let's talk about the meeting with your boss and how can we set you up for success and help you to feel more confident in that meeting and when we worked on that clutter, which is the real clutter, the, the small stack on his coffee table, it was a piece of cake. Hmm. It's interesting how many layers we build in mm-hmm. when we are 
Hmm. When we're dealing with a deep rooted issue, it's interesting how many layers of stuff we pile on top of that. That's kind of like digging through my books or paperwork too. You go mm -hmm. down layer by layer by layer, keeping that compassion, it sounds like, until you get to the heart of the matter. Exactly. Yep. Hmm. Now you talk in the book about carrying extra weight. I am a majestically proportioned person and for myself and for those of us who carry extra weight, how can we use some of these same tools that you're talking about to help shift the body clutter? Yeah, it's, um, it's really fascinating. You know, that that's my top form of clutter that I've struggled with for most of my life is weight clutter. Mm -hmm. um, I clear some of it, I find some more, I clear some of it, I find some more. And it is about just like a stack of paperwork, right? It is about peeling the layers. So if I tell myself, you know, I'm going to make a nice healthy dinner tonight and I'm going to, you know, be present with my meal. I'm going to eliminate distractions. I'm going to eat mindfully. And it all sounds like, God, that's amazing. What a beautiful way to treat yourself. And then the time comes and I make a different choice. I'm in front of the TV, you know, eating fried foods. It's getting curious. It's like, okay, Carrie. So if your intention was this, but your behavior is that, let's look in the mismatch space in between to see what's really going on. And so it's like, let's imagine that I had stuck with that healthy choice. Let's explore that, right? So now, now I've worked on this for years. And so it's going to sound like kind of a fast track, but the layers that you can peel is, okay, how does my weight clutter or any other kind of clutter serve me if I know I want to release it and I know what I need to do to release it, right? It's not rocket science. We know what we need to do, you know, eat less and exercise more. Um, if it was just about that, we would all be at our goal weights, would all be healthy and thriving. So we know that there's more to it, like any other kind of clutter. So if I didn't have the weight clutter to stress about, focus on, fight against, et cetera, and I was able to either completely and fully accept myself as I am or easily attain the healthy size that I'm looking for, what would I then be freed up to do if I didn't have this distraction, right? And so that's when it's like, okay, so it's not the eating healthy and exercising that I'm necessarily resisting. It's the what I tell myself comes without the unhealthy eating and the sedentary lifestyle. It's like, wow, then I might, I might actually be able to, um, you know, shine brighter in the world, be more visible, be more seen, spend more time on video. Like I'm just making things up here. Like I might be able to really up-level my life professionally and personally in a way that allows me to be seen so much more. Well, then there's the layer, right? It's like, okay, so is there any fear around being seen? Is there any belief that you hold around the safety of being seen, right? So this is how the weight clutter can be serving you because it is, it could be protecting your vulnerability. It could be helping you to feel more invisible, which I always kind of joke around and say, it's, it's funny because the heavier you are, the more physically visible you are, <laughs> but the more invisible spiritually you are. Like if we are feeling vulnerable and exposed, 
we can dim that beautiful inner light by piling on the pounds and it gets more and more in the shadows. You know, I remember years ago when I had lost a significant amount of weight, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I can't believe I've done this. Like, I feel amazing. Like I'm so proud of myself. And then the next thought that came in was, oh God, I felt, I felt scared. I felt um, exposed and vulnerable. Um, And I, which was, and I felt like, yeah, I felt, I didn't feel as safe, which was ironic because physically I was in the best shape of my life. I could kick anyone's butt who gave me any trouble, but, but emotionally I was like, Ooh, I feel like someone just took my protective cloak off. And so the weight started to come back on. And so that was like, okay, so there's the next layer to work on. How can I feel safe um, and more visible at the same time? So there's so many layers to it, right? Well, and it's all, I'm hearing, I'm still hearing that compassion. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm just realizing that then we can take small steps from that compassionate perspective Mm -hmm. because I don't have to lose 600 pounds overnight. Nobody's going to take away that thing that I may have come to believe protects me or grounds me or whatever it is. All I need to do is be willing to maybe touch it or sit with it just for a second to feel into how I want to proceed. I know a lot. So I'm a professional intuitive and I know a lot of great, big, majestic professional intuitives. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that one of them told me was that she felt that a lot of psychics are really fat because Mm -hmm. it helps ground us. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, I don't think I hold the extra weight because it's grounding, Mm -hmm. but I can understand how you might come to that belief that it Mm -hmm. keeps you rooted in the, if you spend a lot of your day in unicorn town, right. That, that (laughs) having a big body might help, might keep you grounded, might keep you on, on the earth. So it's an interesting, interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, And also just from a, um, you know, from an empath standpoint, you know, I'm an empath. So from an empath standpoint, you know, we, we feel very deeply and we absorb we're we're sensitive sponges and energetic Mm -hmm. sponges. And so, you know, that's part of the the suit of armor as well is like, I'm going to protect myself from all of these, this external energy um, through eating, you know, sugar and carbs to stuff down the uncomfortable emotions that might come up as a result of what I'm picking up off of that person across the room. Right. So if I didn't, you know, if I don't learn how to manage my energy and my sensitivity in a healthier way, then yeah, I'm going to keep using sugar and carbs to push it all down because I haven't given myself the space and the grace to learn how to feel uncomfortable emotions. And so Mm. the tiny steps are, I'm going to choose this yogurt instead of this bagel from a curiosity place, not from a deprivation place, but from a, because I want to tune in and see what messages I, I tell myself and how my body and spirit feel when I make that choice. And then I grabbed a journal and it's like, oh, okay, here's what came up for me. And then if I want to have the bagel, I'll have the bagel, but let's shoot, let's reach for the yogurt first, just to kind of um, stir up the discomfort so you can hear the message under the mess. And it's safe, 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 safe to stir up the discomfort, safe to try the yogurt and then decide you really wanted that bagel anyway. It's safe to do the investigation. Yeah. And And that might be just as I understood the book, part of the clarity too, 
to feel into my power in compassionately in a, in a safe space to really make change. And it takes away me being able to say to myself, well, I can't because my house is a mess. Well, I can't because I'm carrying a lot of extra pounds. I can't because my calendar is too busy. It just mm-hmm. takes that right away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can do, you can learn a ton through teeny tiny, small steps. So I know we just have a couple minutes left together. I can't help but ask you about the tiny house. <laughs> yes. a t- I fantasize about living in a tiny house and you live in a small one, right? 240 square feet. 240 I, square feet. Oh my gosh. I see, I would need six tiny houses for my books and then a <laughs> tiny house for me. I don't think that would count. I think that would void the agreement, I think. Yeah. How has that been? Because in that kind of small space, everything you have is right there in front of you. There's no hiding anything, mm-hmm. is there? No hiding anything. So so I'm happy to address this. Full disclosure, we have since moved out of the tiny house um, and are now in a sprawling 960 square foot home. <laughs> sprawling. Um, <laughs> So, but yes, after spending several years in the tiny house, um, yeah, 240 square feet doesn't allow you to really have a lot of stuff out. Certainly not for me, it would drive me crazy. And so it ended up with, you know, you ha- we had to be very mindful of our purchases. And so instead of say, you know, buying three months worth of paper towels and storing it somewhere, it's like, no, you buy as you need. Mm. Um, so there's no kind of bulk shopping, very selective about what is worthy of occupying space in a tiny house, right? Because it's like, my space here is very finite. So only the absolute best candidates get a seat at this table. So being very selective of like, hmm. and so what it did, it's, it shows me how little we really need to be happy. But this depends on the person, right? Like, I'm much more of an experiences over things, girl. Other people might love their stuff. That's the thing with clutter. Only you get to decide what's clutter. Someone might look at me in 240 square feet and go, you are absolutely nuts. I might look at them in 4,000 square feet and go, you are absolutely nuts. It's, It's different strokes for different folks. So if you have 500 books that you love, it's not clutter. If you have 50 books that you don't like at all and they drain your energy, that's clutter. So if you don't love it, need it, or use it, it's clutter and only you get to decide. And so, yes, living in such a small space, um, what what made it easy, if you will, is that we built it. And so we built it and designed it in a way to suit how we live. Mm. So it was all about um, function, form followed function. This is where I would be working. This is how I maneuver in a kitchen. I like to take, you know, luxurious showers. So I'm going to make the kitchen a little smaller. So my shower can be bigger. Right. So we got to really choose how do we live and how can the space support us in living that way? And I have to say, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would very likely still be in the tiny house. Um, With the pandemic, uh, not allowing me to go to my co-working space or work at coffee shops, it was very hard to run a business from a flip-up table oh, wow. <laughs> in a tiny house. So that's what kind of did us in. It was like, okay, we need to, I need more space. <laughs> and there's, there's, oh, I love what you said about how does this space support 
the life I want to lead. There's mm-hmm. another clutter gem right there. Yeah. If my office with, I'm looking at all the bookshelves here in my office, if my office with all the bookshelves supports the kind of life I want to leave and spoiler alert, yes, then it's <laughs> good that yeah. paperwork in the living room is not a use of the space that supports how I want to live. And I can decide how I want my space to support my life. Yes. Mm. Yes. Carrie, how can the listeners find out more about you and how can they find out more about the Clutter Clear Your Life community? Yes, you can. uh, My website is kerryrichardson.com. Um, and actually this week I have a free clutter clearing challenge going on that just started. Uh, so you can go to kerryrichardson.com slash challenge. My international membership community is at clutterclearyourlife.com. It's a wonderful group of, of women from all over the world who support each other in pursuing their big, hairy, audacious goals <laughs> and identifying the clutter that's in their way. Um, So we come together every Monday to plan the most productive week to make sure you don't have any clutter in your calendar for that week and move you toward the vision you have for your life. So that's at clutterclearyourlife.com. Wow. Carrie, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. That is Carrie Richardson. Her newest book is From Clutter to Clarity, Clean Up Your Mindset to Clear Out Your Clutter. And you can find more about Carrie and her work at kerryrichardson.com. That's K-E-R-R-I richardson.com. And if you go to kerryrichardson.com slash challenge, you can get in on that free clutter clearing challenge that's happening uh, this week. You can also check out her membership community at Clutter Clear Your Life. And you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. And you can even book a private session with me if you're looking for intuitive guidance. That's at karenhager.com. And follow the fun on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. I hope that wherever you're listening, that you rate and review the show. That helps me get feedback. And it also helps us get this to the ears of more people. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.